Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to That Healing Feeling. I'm Torzi and I created this podcast talking all things well-being, what makes us feel the absolute best in ourselves and how we overcome challenges and heal with positivity and strength. To round up season three, I had a great conversation with Chelsea. It was amazing to hear Chelsea speak so openly about her struggles with both exercise addiction and disordered eating and her journey of recovery as she repairs her personal relationship with both food and fitness. Chelsea has used social media not only as a space to raise awareness for others facing the same challenges, but also as a place to be accountable and challenge herself in various ways. Throughout this episode, Chelsea and I address challenges faced by young female athletes, veganism, mental health, the transition from school to university, and the importance of sustainability for an endurance healing journey. Do take care to view the trigger warnings in the show notes as we address some sensitive topics. I hope you enjoy. So this week on the podcast, I have the lovely Chelsea. Thank you so much for coming on, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me. I feel privileged. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's honestly so great. I actually know Chelsea vaguely from school. I mean, you're in school with my little sister, Tash, actually. So Chelsea's a few years younger than me. Um, but we were both at secondary school together. But I've recently kind of come across Chelsea again um, by seeing her amazing Instagram page. And I just wanted to ask you where this started, where you started getting into your nutrition, veganism, all this stuff. Where did your journey kind of begin with that? So I became vegetarian quite a number of years ago, maybe four or five, actually, after watching the documentary called Earthlings. It's just sort of about like animal welfare and stuff like that, because quite a few of my friends were watching it. And it was kind of a light bulb moment. Um, I just watched it and then I started thinking about what I was actually eating and I just didn't really want to eat meat anymore. So I became vegetarian and my mum freaked out a bit. She was like, oh my God, I'm deficient in everything. I don't know what to cook for you. But um, actually, I mean, now she pretty much almost eats vegan. So it's quite funny. But yeah, so then I'd say a year or two after going vegetarian, I went vegan because I was such a fussy eater as a child. Like I didn't like 
eggs, milk, cream, cheese, butter. So actually going vegan was so easy for me. And it just happened almost naturally. Like one day I was kind of like, oh, I'm basically vegan now. I may as well just stay vegan. Because the only thing that was non-vegan that I would eat would be, I don't know, like cake or something. But it's fairly easy to make vegan, to be honest. And as long as you're prepared and organized, then I find it just quite easy. So that's when I became vegan about two and a half years ago, something like that. And yeah, I absolutely love being vegan. It's great for me. Um, I know it's hard for other people because like, you know, if you love cheese or you love fish or something like that, but it was just easy for me. So I feel quite lucky in that sense. And then in terms of my Instagram, it actually started off as um, Fit by Chels, as a fitness page, um, because I knew that I wanted to do something to do with social media, something creative. So at the time I was doing CrossFit and a bit of triathlon, so I thought I might just try and make workouts for the people and stuff like that. But um, actually, I soon realized that that wasn't really where my passion was. Like, I love fitness and I love attending workout classes and stuff, but I don't really want to be a personal trainer and I don't really want to make workouts and stuff like that. So then I changed it to health by Charles and I just started placing recipes and food content and veganism and a bit of mental health. And after maybe half a year of having my Instagram, then I made my YouTube. It's so cool. And also I actually love that kind of movement. I mean, obviously let's not criticizing anyone who loves fitness and loves that being their kind of passion, but I actually quite like that movement from fitness to health because mm. fitness still is a part of that. It just makes it more <laughs> encompassing. And it means that you can include like further elements, like you say, like other things that make you feel healthy. And I mean, yeah, the whole theme of this podcast is that mental health, physical health, uh, they're so intertwined anyway. Um, Mm. And it's so important to keep tabs on both of them to have that overall picture of health in your life. In terms of fitness and exercise, something I wanted to talk to you about, which you've been open about on your channels, is that obsessive nature that we can sometimes cultivate with exercise. Do you think that was also instigated to move from that fitness to that health for your Instagram as well? Yeah, I would definitely say so, because when I was at my worst with my eating disorder, I was really, I had a really bad exercise addiction and I would not take any rest days, exercise like twice a day. Um, And then as I slowly began to recover and I started exercising once a day and then I took a rest day and then I started doing less cardio and stuff like that, I just became less obsessed with working out and fitness so then I was like oh I don't really enjoy making workout videos and stuff and so they probably do tie in together yeah yeah it's it's a hard one I think with the with the fitness obsessions we were quickly talking about this before but I definitely have struggled with that in the past of that that feeling that I need to exercise every day and I think for some people it sounds bizarre and it sounds irrational but for me it, it definitely has been something that I've struggled with in the past and I think it's it's an interesting one because being not in that position where that starts to not become like a daily practice is really difficult because I think sometimes we lack that kind of realization that it's the same thing as if someone doesn't ever exercise they're not going to be able to suddenly exercise every day and it's the Mm. same thing as in if you've been exercising that much for however many years it's really hard to then change that up but something I saw and I watched on your YouTube which I thought was amazing was you challenging yourself and I'll get into more of the challenges you've done on YouTube because those are all really great. But one mm. of the things you challenged was um, 
uh, doing no exercise for a week, which is which is must have been a huge challenge as someone who struggled with that addiction. So scary for me. Um, and it was actually one of my viewers that sent me a DM on Instagram and she said, um, hey, I've really struggled with exercise addiction in the past. But something I did was I just took a week off exercise just to kind of show myself like sort of take a step back and think what actually is exercise you know it doesn't just have to be a way of burning calories it can just be for enjoyment and health and stuff like that and when exercise gets to a point where it's bad for your health then you know you need to take a step back and take time to sort of recover and repair your relationship with exercise so I so a few weeks after she recommended that I do that, I'd kind of been mulling it over in my mind. And initially when she said it, I was like, no way could I ever do that. I am I must exercise every day. Like, I just can't do that. But then I started thinking about it. And it's almost like throughout my eating disorder, I've always said there's like an eating disorder part of my brain and a rational part of my brain. And now it feels like the rational part is winning more. And the more I mull over things, the more the rational part wins. So eventually I tried not exercising for a week it was just it was amazing like I just felt so great and it felt like nothing really changed I just I thought I'd feel really sluggish and awful and guilty but actually I didn't I just felt amazing (laughs) so yeah no it's so cool I honestly I don't think I've yeah ever gone a week without it maybe it's something I should try because I think it is such a challenge um yeah. and sometimes you kind of need to push the boundaries to realize these things in challenges yeah. like that and also like when I go on holiday it's so stressful for me because I have to organize a gym and am I going to have weights am I going to have a place to run and all that sort of stuff yeah. but now if I don't have a place to go to the gym then whatever I have a place to have fun and that's it <laughs> yeah no it's amazing it's very brave as well to to take these on kind of in the public space as well on your YouTube channel I guess it kind of allows for some accountability doesn't it having that space and that oh, yeah. community it's been really really helpful actually I think yeah. for recovery, having my YouTube because it just keeps me so accountable yeah now I was just if if you're okay with doing it I'd love to just take a few steps back um into earlier in your life when this started becoming a narrative struggling with your eating disorder when did this start happening if you're okay to talk about that yeah no it's fine um so I've done gymnastics since I was about 10 and I'd say sort of just uh, in the year before I wrote my GCSEs I switched from doing recreational gymnastics to more intense training and I actually went to a different gym and there I was training I doubled my hours and then I doubled my hours again so in the end I was doing like 21 hours of gymnastics and um all my life that I've done gymnastics I've loved it so much Mm -hmm. um I wanted to be the best I could possibly be and in my mind I had to be on top of everything had to be on top of my nutrition my strength training my flexibility my fitness just like absolutely everything um so I think it just gradually became more intensified and as I was doing more and more training then I would start adding on little hours at home doing uh like more strength training more conditioning and then with my uh with my food I thought oh I I gotta be like the other girls who are amazing because I was I was one of the oldest actually um at my new club because gymnasts kind of peak at a young age so I was surrounded by all these young girls who hadn't really 
gone through puberty yet, whereas I had. And my brain didn't quite make the connection that like after puberty, you're not meant to be looking like you yeah. were beforehand. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. No, they were all so amazing. I was like, I want to be like them. I've got to get on top of my nutrition. So I just started eating more healthily. Um, I just eating more fruits, eating more veg. I thought I was doing great. And then um, one day my mum was like, Chelsea, you've lost quite a lot of weight. Can we weigh you? And I thought, what, me? No, I'm still fat. I don't know. That's what I thought to myself. Um, But it was because I think either the gym or the school had sort of voiced their concern to her that I'd recently lost a lot of weight. And at that time, I was still absolutely fine. Like physically, I was was fine and I didn't think anything was wrong. But then it was kind of a slippery slope from there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say as well, like, I think it's such a common narrative within young female athletes, whatever the sport, really, I think gymnastics, to be fair, is and this is quite generalized. And I'm I mean, I I was gonna say I'm not a gymnast. I did do gym at St. Hats very briefly. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but not for long. (laughs) Um, But it does have the tendency to be quite an abusive sport. But I just feel like there is a lack of there's a lack of awareness sometimes with coaches and the amount they push their athlete I don't know if this is something you've experienced at all I'm not kind of necessarily going down that route but I'm just saying I think female athletes at that age are so vulnerable and it's just a really it's a really critical space and I think things like yeah puberty and all this body image and there's so much interwoven with this then kind of comparison between different athletes and it's just such a challenging time and I think things like yeah puberty like you were saying like it's normal like it's it's literally like your path of life like you're meant to be your body's changing um, yeah. and I think it is it is a really really difficult thing for lots of young athletes to to kind of work through and I definitely struggled with it in in running I was always a bit more muscly than the other girls and even though that actually made me stronger and I'd always um overtake a lot of people in the, in the kind of the last 100 meters of a race I still thought that I was being kind of slowed down by it. Um, And I just think, yeah, body image in sport and kind of comparison is just such a, I think there just needs to be a lot more awareness of the kind of mental challenges in these kind of coaching environments. Yeah, definitely. I think I was actually quite lucky in a sense. I think my gym was really good with the amount that they pushed us. I don't think it was too, too much when I compare it other gyms because like in America 35 hours plus and training two times a day and I mean when I was training my most I was kind of either five or six days a week and it was just once um I mean the sessions were long like three or four hours but that was just kind of normal for gymnastics yeah. and I, it just ended up being me putting myself against me I just was constantly trying to get myself better and I mean I did compare myself to others I guess but I think it was just me putting myself against me yeah yeah it's that pressure as well I think it becomes so exhausting mm, and, I know. and I and as much as yeah like you say like as much as you can kind of pressure yourself in comparison to other people often it is a lot of that self-reflection and that self-image um when it comes to these things but yeah. with was that what kind of kick-started your struggles with your relationship with food? Yeah, I would definitely say so because I just started to try eating more what I thought was more healthy, just eating more fruit and veg. But actually, I guess looking back, it was probably just a 
form of restriction I was just decreasing decreasing what I ate and then slowly it just I kind of I liked the way that my body was looking and changing and then I just it just got so much more intensified and then you know started counting calories and all that sort of thing and then once the way it kind of worked was that if I did one thing one day the next day I had to do it so if one day I ate x amount of calories the next day I could not eat more than that it's a mental illness you know it's just it literally messes with you like looking back it seems so irrational the things I did but you know in the moment it just you know just I don't know yeah Yeah. it's crazy it's but it's at the time it seems completely legit yeah like it makes so much sense and that's what you say like it is a mental illness and it's Mm. a really it's such a it's such a challenging topic because it's something that I feel a lot of people feel a lot of shame about Mm. even though I would like we were saying before this episode just briefly I genuinely think most people do struggle with with it Um, so it's something that and obviously there's a wide spectrum some people are lucky to have never really even thought about it and I think there's a lot of people who have definitely been on the spectrum 100 percent um but it's definitely something that I think people are kind of resistant to talking about um it's a really it's a very challenging topic so I do think it's amazing um how open you've been about it on YouTube because that must just that must be scary and like on Instagram and stuff as well like it's 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 really really brave but it's definitely going to be opening up a lot of eyes and also just helping a lot of people in Mm. the same position I think what was kind of helpful is that it seems like you know whatever content you see on Instagram it kind of promotes that more to you so I started looking at quite a few eating disorder accounts and YouTube channels to try and help myself I guess um, and just you know find others that were going through a similar thing because I felt so isolated like when I was at my work Um, so finding all these accounts I just got promoted loads of accounts and for some people that can be really triggering but for me it actually just helped me because yeah it just me feel less alone and that my struggles were valid um and all that sort of thing and I saw a few other people with eating disorder related YouTube channels and people who'd spoken up about it so I thought to myself they can do it why can't I <laughs> no and you definitely have but you get so much love on your on your YouTube videos as you should have such a nice little community yeah oh no no it's great so when did you kind of get into a position there where you started your healing journey and your recovery from your eating disorder Um, my recovery has been so 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 slow um but maybe two two years ago the summer of two years ago or something um we went on holiday to South Africa and that was probably actually when I got to my worst because I I couldn't really track calories whilst I was out there and I didn't really have a scale to weigh myself so those two methods were the way that I kind of kept myself at a certain level so I just freaked out so I just ate a lot less because I was so anxious that I was going to gain weight whilst on holiday and yeah. I just exercised every single day um whilst I was there and in my mind I thought I was having a great time because I don't know I love South Africa so much I love being there I was around my family um, like I I wasn't actually that afraid to eat out, but I would skip meals and I would just kind of have, you know, two meals a day and they, you know, so it just wasn't great. And then when I got back from that holiday, um, school kind of went crazy and um, they asked me to go see the doctor and then they referred me to CAMS. Um, So I was with CAMS, which is the 
NHS eating disorder service, I think. Um, and I saw a psychiatrist for kids. Um, but I just, I feel like I was very in denial. And I just felt like everyone was against me. I just yeah. really want to talk to her. I feel like if you're going to therapy and because you want to, then it's great. But I just didn't want to be there at all. Yeah. Um, so anyways, they said that, um, you know, if I didn't gain weight, then they would have to take me off sport and they, I might be suspended from school. And I just kind of force fed myself. I, was, I just started having more snacks, increasing my portion size. And I gradually, gradually gained a little bit. And I had sort of monthly meetings with, with my psychiatrist. Um, and I would gain like a tiny bit every time. And because she saw that I was gaining, she was like, it's fine. <laughs> and eventually when yeah. I got my goal weights, which I don't really think was a, a great weight, um, she was like, okay, bye. Um, and I mean, I was happy because I didn't want to see her, but I was definitely not good mentally. I think I was still exercising seven days a week, like twice a day. Um, uh, and at that point I had quit gymnastics. I quit it just before I went on that holiday to South Africa because um, I just, there were a lot of factors, but like I had no energy. I was losing yeah. skin. I just didn't have much motivation anymore. There was lots going on with a few of my friends had left and coaches and stuff. So yeah. I quit and I'd taken up CrossFit and triathlon because I was so anxious that I wasn't going to be burning as many calories as I was when I was doing gymnastics. So yeah, all these sports and yeah, so that happened. And then so I was released from CAMS and then shortly after we went into the first lockdown and throughout the whole of COVID, I think that actually really helped me. Really? Because it kind of gave me like a time just to focus on myself. And yeah. I've always been inspired by lots of different athletes and I was getting inspired by more CrossFit athletes and um, they were taking one or two rest days. And I thought to myself, why are they taking rest days and I'm not taking any rest days and I'm not an elite athlete yeah <laughs> I started slowly mulling that over and then I decided to take my first rest day and it was really really scary but it was fine like I survived I was doing great so from then on I always had Sunday as my rest day then I I just gradually started doing less cardio and kind of getting to more strength training because obviously I couldn't go to the pool for triathlon training and I did lots of spin classes, but I didn't really do much outdoor cycling. So I didn't really have anyone to go with outdoor cycling. So yeah. I just kind of stopped doing so much of that. And I also couldn't go to my CrossFit sessions because it was COVID. So mm. I was just home. I got some weights and I got into strength training a bit. And um, I started to follow this um this YouTuber called Caroline Giravan and um, she has uh, workout strength training programs that kind of last um, 10 weeks and it's five days a week and um, usually the sessions are from half an hour to and like 50 minutes um, every day so I just I kind of made a decision that I would just try this out and just see what happens because um, I didn't really know how to conduct my own sort of strength training um, so I just thought that I would try out hers um, and that was a big step for me because I went from doing hours and hours of cardio every day to just doing strength training um mm -hmm. and so because that was five days a week on the sixth day I would always do like a spin session or something and then eventually I I dropped the spin session and I just uh started doing just the five sessions a week and 
then I think I opened up about my eating disorder on YouTube and I used YouTube as a way to challenge all of my niggling fears that were still remaining because at the time I was kind of eating a fair amount of food but there was still a lot of restrictions I had on myself so I used to have to eat breakfast after 11 o'clock and lunch after three um, because it's just kind of a a way of conserving your calories to the end of the day because I was always worried that I was going to get hungry at the end of the day yeah Um, I directly challenged that um, on my YouTube and it was just it was amazing like afterwards I just thought to myself this is fine like yeah really get insane cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Insanely hungry and afternoon you know um and if I do then I just have a snack you know um so yeah from then on I just kind of ate whenever I wanted really and then I did the challenge where I didn't exercise for a whole week and again that was like an epiphany moment I I just if I don't want to exercise then I don't have to I'm probably feeling tired for a reason um you know our bodies can't get stronger unless they have that recovery because the improvement isn't made whilst we're actually doing the exercise it's made during the recovery when our muscle fibers are repairing and all that sort of stuff um and I challenged a few more things on my YouTube and that's kind of led me to where I am now yeah you're honestly doing amazing and even though like you were saying at the beginning like that your recovery has been really slow but I don't think that's a bad thing at all I think it means it's more sustainable and it will be more endurant you know Mm, Um, and also it's nice to hear a it's nice to hear a positive account of COVID but I, I completely agree I think it was a time where everyone could I mean obviously it's very different depending on your social situation I'm very aware of that I'm very lucky to have been where I was during COVID but 
I think it was a time to just really reflect on life and reflect on everything. It was a time where we literally had to stop and be like, right, okay, what's happening? Um, so I can I can understand why that was a useful period actually for you to just mm. focus on on looking after yourself. Um, I also just wanted to quickly draw back to um, what you were saying about when you were working with that psychiatrist. She doesn't sound like she was the best, but I'm not going to be judgmental because I don't know her. Um, but um, it is a common problem, I think, with the treatment of eating disorders. This idea that BMI equates to eating disorder it's a mental illness and obviously yeah. it definitely has physical effects. I'm not kind of disregarding that at all. And it's very important that we do kind of have a healthy body weight, but mm. just because you get to a certain weight does not mean that you've healed from your eating disorder. I don't know yeah. if it's something well, that you've spoken about. It's really hard because so many young people are struggling with eating disorders more and more and more. And yeah. there's so much um, space that, the NHS has um, yeah. to cope with everyone. So as soon as they see someone get to the healthy physically, they're kind of like, okay, next person in. Yeah. You know? So I can see it from their point of view, but um, on the other hand, literally everyone I've spoken to who's dealt with an eating disorder, they've had some form of relapse. They've gone into CAMS or they've gone into inpatient. They've gained weight. They've come out. They've lost weight. They've gone back in. You know, it's just a, yeah. a vicious cycle finally it has to be within you the decision has to be within you to recover yeah you can't, someone else can't make you recover because you know you eventually those thoughts will override that other person making you recover yeah and it's like you say that split in your brain between like your eating disorder thoughts and your rational thoughts and mm -hmm. it's just a position where you can continually listen and keep listening to your rational side which is so hard um, mm -hmm. So, sure. so hard um but I guess it's just making those small wins like you say so like one day not eating breakfast after 11 or mm. taking a rest day like these these things see, may seem small to other people but the more you can do them the more you can kind of cultivate that yeah. that connection with that rational side of mm. your brain as well oh. no it's it is it's really really amazing how have you found being at university um during this kind of journey of recovery yeah, so last year um, I went to uni, or I came to uni, and um, I was here for about two months. And then we went into a lockdown in November, and or at the start of November. And my birthday is in November, so I didn't want to be stuck here for my birthday because I actually chose to be in a studio last year because I just couldn't handle the thought of cooking around others. Yeah. All that stuff. Um, so I just came, I, w I went home and I just stayed at home basically until I came back this year um and I love my family to bits I love my parents so much um so I loved being at home and actually I just desperately didn't want to come back to uni this year but I kind of I, I knew that once I got here and I put myself out there and I made friends I kind of had a small feeling that I would start to have more fun so anyways yeah this year I am in the studio again and I just I joined quite a few societies um I picked up gymnastics again I tried cheerleading for a bit I joined the expedition society and I just tried to meet up with as many people as I possibly could and um after a few weeks of being here I made some really really good friends I started to have so much fun and before going to uni this year I'd never had alcohol in my life because I had just a massive fear of it 
Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't even necessarily like the calorie content. It was just the fear of losing control and the idea of sort of going to parties or nightclubs. It just seemed so scary and overwhelming to me. Yeah, I just I couldn't handle the thought of that. But as I started to make friends this year and going out and seeing all of them and having fun, I just kind of thought to myself, maybe going to a party is just like a big place to dance and <laughs> why not why not just try so I um I started having you know a few drinks here and there and then I went on my first night out and I just I loved it so much because my whole perception of what going to a nightclub actually was it just completely changed like yeah. a place to have fun with your friends and dance and just you know you kind of your anxiety goes away and your stress and I just loved it so much so yeah this year at uni has been so much better than last year because I've made so many amazing friends and it just it keeps pushing that reason to recover because yeah. there's no way I'm going to go backwards now because I would just lose all of my friends uh I would you know potentially lose out on where I am with my uni course um in terms of actual work so yeah it has it's been really really amazing being uni this year but the one thing I would say is that now I'm hating being in a studio because I crave being around other people now it's so weird because before I came to uni I I was really really introverted and I really loved being alone and I mean I was around my parents all the time and I loved being around them but I did also I like just being by myself, but yeah. now I really, really wish that I was living in in halls or in a house. Um, and thankfully, some of my friends live just up the road, but it's not quite the same, you know. At yeah. night, if you just want to go and sit in someone's bed and watch a film or something, I can't quite do that, which is it's a bit sad. But um, I have organised a house for next year, um, which okay. I'm really, really excited about. Um, so yeah that's kind of the situation with uni yeah no it's it's just like what you're saying about the nightclubbing because I'm not massively into nights out but it is just about who you surround yourself with and I think that's the thing with uni like it's it's just finding those people that you connect with and that make you feel good Um, Mm. and that's really great that you've got a house sorted for next year that's that's very (laughs) exciting you um you study sports science at uni yeah how do you find that? Have you found that kind of helpful at all with your recovery as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely the, everything about recovery that we've learned in terms of recovery from exercise. Yeah. That helped me just, you know, figure out what's actually going on inside my body. Yeah. Um, so it's just helped me realise that our bodies, they can adapt to having a bit more or a bit less food than normal and our metabolic rate is not fixed at this one point it will change we've got so many different processes going on that um can you know they can increase their rate they can decrease their rate um so you know if I eat way more on one day then it's just it's fine like my body will cope with it um one thing one module that I have had this year um it's titled nutrition science and I thought that it would be all about what uh, is going on inside our body in terms of how our nutrients are processed and digested and all that sort of stuff. But actually, there has been a lot of um, 
things about nutrition guidelines and how many vitamins and minerals you need per day and also um like during pregnancy how much weight you're supposed to gain and uh, if you don't have this then your child is going to get this deficiency and that has it did stress me out when I was learning about that I mean yeah. it didn't cause anything to happen but it did make me feel quite stressed because one part of my brain was like what if I'm not getting enough of this what if I'm not getting enough of that gosh but then I just took a step back and I just thought it's okay you know these these guidelines are just there for people who don't really have much knowledge about nutrition perhaps or they just need kind of a general guidance um and actually if I just keep doing what I'm doing then I will be fine but if I if I'd known the content I mean, they did give us module descriptions last year and maybe I just didn't read it well enough. (laughs) Overall, the module has just, it's not been what I have expected. Um, But other than that, I love all of my other modules. Um, And I I did a nutrition module last year, which was amazing. It was so good. Um, It was all just about, you know, the science of nutrition in our body and metabolism, things like that. So yeah, it's definitely been really helpful for me. I guess as well, a positive takeaway from this kind of more challenging course you've had this term is, is that ability that you have within yourself to take a step back, which mm. means like, it's kind of, it, it may seem like maybe you shouldn't have done this course. And like, I mean, if you don't enjoy it, like maybe not, but it's, mm. it's very, very representative of your progress that you can yeah. get stressed about it, but then actually take a step back and be like, actually, no, everything's fine. You know, that is in itself, that's very, that's very impressive and kind of demonstrates how far you've come with your journey. And it's really interesting because when I chose sports science, I, in the back of my mind, I kind of thought, oh, sports nutrition, I reckon that's going to be my niche. I'm going to, that's what I'm going to go into. But Uh, last year and over the part of this year that I've done, I just, I'm just not interested in it anymore. Because when I was choosing a degree, I was debating between maths and sports science because I absolutely love maths, but I just didn't know what I would do with it. So I ended up going to science. And actually, I love all the mathsy parts of sports science, like the biomechanics, the statistics, the analysis, all of that stuff. I really, really love that. So I think that is more where I would lean towards, definitely in my dissertation and yeah. maybe after uni. I wish I was good at maths. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a film the other day about maths and I was like I just really want to be good at maths but I'm just not I did do a level um I got an e in m2 and <laughs> I got a's in all the other ones okay that, awful. that paper though I literally came out of it you know sometimes you, well, I don't know if you've had this I mean you did extremely well in your a level so you know um but I literally came out that exam and I was like I was like, oh no. I was like, oh no, I'm not. I was like, I'm not going to get into uni. I was like, this is actually terrible. And you know, when people around you are like, oh, that was so hard. Like, I don't know. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I literally didn't answer questions. Like, that went really badly. <laughs> um, but no, I, I mean, it's funny though how your kind of passions academically shift when you go to uni, I think, because I think sometimes you go kind of expecting, because I went to uni studying geography actually. Um, and I did really enjoy it, but I, I didn't do I only did RS at GCSE but I started doing what Edinburgh do is you can do outside courses in your first first and second year so it's quite cool because you can do like geography as your main but then I was doing kind of um, religious studies philosophy courses on the side and I just realized that um in a university setting I was so much more suited to theology so I changed from geography to theology which is a huge jump over um but I way prefer that now so it's just the same kind of thing like Mm -hmm 
I think when you change within yourself and also it was it was actually um because I took a year out of uni for mental health reasons um between <laughs> first and second year and mm. that was when I made that jump as well so I think sometimes when you go through your own kind of journey and come back to yourself a bit more you actually realize what what kind of takes the boxes for you a bit more as well yeah no that's for sure um and also it's quite interesting because both of my parents they're very mathsy they both did maths a level they're kind of very into my maths um my mum sort of helps my brother with his maths and also tutors some of my brother's friends in maths um so I feel like I'm very en route to be loving maths but then I have a friend who she's studying film and her parents are both in the design world one of them does fashion and the other one maybe architecture or something like that so it's just very how like it's so true that you kind of do mostly what your parents do not in every case but yeah that's what's funny though with me because I'm literally I'm the opposite because my parents my mum dad did chemistry at uh, my dad did chemistry, my mum did engineering, and mm-hmm. then Becky, um, our older sister, did uh, earth science, and Tash does biology, and then I yeah. do biology. <laughs> so I'm literally the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it is funny how, how that tends to happen. And I I, I actually, um, when I was doing my A-levels, I was convinced I was going to do physics and engineering. Mm, really? Um, so it, it's, just, it's just interesting yeah. how it plays out. Yeah. I think uni is an amazing place as well, just to, beyond academics as well, just like, but come into yourself a lot more and like having that independence I think mm. you just learn a lot you learn a lot about yourself which is which yeah, definitely. always mm. um mm. just before we come on to those final questions I just want to ask you a bit about how you find kind of managing everything you're doing uni-wise with your social media because you do you haven't got an increased following now like on Instagram and mm. uh, YouTube and stuff and I mean, having watched your videos, like I'm sure a lot of effort goes into your editing because it's very, very slick and amazing. Um, (laughs) Kind of all your recipes for your Instagram as well. Um, How have you managed kind of balancing all of these things whilst being at uni and studying? Well, it always feels a bit hectic, but um, I I somehow make it through. Um, (laughs) with, With the recipes, I'm always like obviously you always have to make food for breakfast lunch and dinner so I would make some food no matter what it just I just have to prepare a little bit extra yeah or I make my meals I guess so that I can kind of have one or sometimes two recipes that I make a day for it's usually breakfast lunch just because the lighting is better that sense it's okay it is it does get a bit stressful if I kind of I'm a bit I'm in a bit of a rut for ideas yeah it doesn't usually last long because I just scroll on Pinterest a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I just get some ideas. Um, and then as for YouTube, so when I first started my YouTube, I began posting twice a week because I really wanted to get the ball rolling. Yeah. And I went to uni, I just started posting once a week. Um, and also my editing is actually a bit more simple, even though it might not seem that way because... I don't have that much background music in my videos anymore. I don't really have many fancy effects. It's just a lot of editing in terms of the little clips. Um, So it it does take a while, but it definitely doesn't take as long as it used to. Um, And I quite enjoy filming just, you know, general vlogs and lifestyle content now and just chatting about various things. Um, and sometimes I'll film a specific video, um, question and answer, or I get ready with me. But most of the time it's just kind of vlogs. 
So yeah, I don't really find it so bad. Um, I do usually wake up quite early, usually about six um, to try Ooh. and, <laughs> um, I mean, obviously it depends on what I'm doing the night before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I will make I get enough sleep, but um, yeah, I usually, if I just wake up a bit earlier um, than the average usually uni student, then I can fit everything in. Um, it does, it does get stressful, but it's, it's okay. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like you have that awareness of, of stress as well. And I'm sure that there's kind of practices you have in place for when it, you feel like it is getting a bit too much, just being aware of it is so important. Yeah. Um, cool. Also, I don't know why I made that, that face when like, you get up at six, because I often get up at six. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm also a very much an early, early bird. I was saying this to my mom today, actually. I was saying I'm an early bird when it comes to like, I love getting up early and mm. doing my yoga and meditating. And I mean, I'm very yogi vibes in that way. Yeah very much a morning person and but then I love I'm so I, I love working in the evening like studying in the evening mm-hmm. I'm often in the library till like midnight so mm-hmm. I was just like I just clearly just don't sleep <laughs> like, so, yeah, I quite often I'm with my friends in the library like really late or yeah. you know, I just the, the evening just slips away and suddenly it's oops <laughs> no especially at the moment honestly when it's getting dark at like four I just feel like it's just yeah the yeah. day is ending so quickly it's quite depressing but I, you move on yeah. from that <laughs> yeah. Amazing. oh Chelsea thank you so much for being so open and and talking about everything it's been really really great well, no um, I've just um got those three questions which I ask everyone at the end of each episode um yeah, cool. so the first one is what is something you do each day to feel your best so I think this would be connecting with others in some way, whether that be going for a coffee with someone, going for a walk or just sending someone who's maybe not having such a good time, just send them a nice little message or yeah. give them a phone call. I mean, I actually love FaceTime. It's not for everyone, but if someone wants to FaceTime, then I will for it. Um, <laughs> I, I do pretty much FaceTime my parents every single day because... Oh bits and it's always just a nice little catch up I can tell them anything I want to um so that's always in my day but I just I'm always trying to make sure throughout the day that I'm just messaging other people feeling connected because especially being in a studio I just feel quite isolated here by myself um but I mean I am going out and doing stuff every day but when I'm here I, I like to you know just send little messages and yeah connect with others yeah, it's so amazing for our mental health to have that time to connect with other people. And it's also, mm. it's, it sounds like you, you and your parents have such a lovely relationship, which is which is amazing. Oh, yeah. Lovely to hear. Mm. It's so very supportive. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So nice. Amazing. So second question is, do you have a goal or a way you want to grow over the next year? Yeah, so I would definitely say just start living more in the moment and stop worrying about the future or the past because I tend to dwell on things a bit and I also get very anxious about what the future is going to hold for me because I don't really know what I want to do and what is going to happen to all my friends am I still going to have the same friends how am I going to make new friends and all that sort of stuff I get very wrapped up in all of that so I just got to learn to live in the moment and enjoy what is actually going on now and what will happen there you know there's a plan for all of us yeah yeah no it's huge I mean it's so easy to have so many worries about the future but actually the majority of them don't 
become a problem. So we end up just wasting time in the present, worrying about things that actually aren't going to happen. And yeah, maybe exactly. some of them will happen, but you'll be you can you can worry about it then, you know. And it yeah. seems, makes a lot of sense. But obviously, like it's so normal to to become anxious about potential future outcomes. But I think it's a great goal to have just to try and just live a bit more because ultimately, if you're worrying about um, the past or the future, like you're not living really, are you? Waste wasting time. We haven't, yeah. got, haven't got as much of it as we as we might think. So I, we've got to use it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Amazing. So last question is, do you have a quote that you want to share um, that makes you feel positive? Yes. So one day you will look back and see that all along you were blooming. Grow through challenges. Is what yeah. It. Yeah. Because, you know, everything that I've been through in the past, I now just look back and I see that Although it was a hard time, I think it. I'm grateful that it has brought me to where I am, um, and I wouldn't. I'd. I wouldn't change anything in my life. Absolutely. So, and you're going to have that strength going forward into all you do, which is amazing. You're doing an incredible job. Well thank done. you. This amazing podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, it's been it's been lovely to have you on. Thank you so much. I've I've, re- I've really enjoyed this actually. I've never been on a podcast, so it's been fun. That's time for everything. I'm sure you'll be on many more going forward. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Chelsea. Hey, thank you. I loved speaking to Chelsea, and it was such a delight to have her on the podcast. I hope that you have a wonderful day, and I'll be back soon with a new episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.